0: With tens of thousands of mutual funds and ETFs available, how do you know which ones are right for you? Tanner gives us the inside scoop on index, active manage, and smart beta funds, along with pros and cons of each so you can decide for yourself. That's coming up on this episode of the F-Sharp Podcast.
1: to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you.
2: Welcome, everyone. Episode 13 here. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. Hope you're going to spend some time with uh, your sweetheart, or if you don't have a sweetheart, hopefully you're going to spend some time with your friends. Adam, what's on the docket for you and Greta? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Uh Uh-oh. Are you going to get in trouble with that one? No. No. She knows. Not big Valentine's Day people? Not anymore. I mean, who do we have to impress? <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. No, I guess, uh, to be fair, that's similar to Katie and I. I mean, I, we're going to go out to eat, but we don't do over-exaggerated uh, things on Valentine's Day. You know, it's, to us, going out to eat or doing any of those things is, whether it's Valentine's Day or whether it's August 10th or, you know, whatever other random day, it's you know, it's the same. So, um, well, that's interesting. Are you at least going to make her dinner or something? sure I mean uh,
0: I, I like the the going out to eat is fine um, I would probably do it the day before or the day after because I've seen what uh, what Valentine's Day is from a server or bartender standpoint but um, I despise flowers I it's I think it's one of the dumbest gifts because they die I'd rather... <laughs> Spend sixty, seventy dollars on something else that you enjoy, but yeah, we're out of the, the that phase. Um we do the the anniversary stuff and, and we barely even get each other birthday and Christmas gifts. I mean Sure. So Valentine's yeah. is uh is a no. <laughs> what? Feels like a young, young, young relationship, young person's holiday that's fair corporate holiday yeah
2: no i think that i think that's fair and it's uh, you know like we're kind of similar like i said you know and, and like we've talked about before christmas when i was wearing that grinch shirt and stuff you know it's like gift giving to me like it shouldn't it shouldn't just be about that like if if you want to give a gift i you know i, I don't wait until a particular day to do that similarly we've talked about goal setting i don't wait until new year's just to set a goal like if i need to set a goal it's set a goal i'm not going to wait another What would it be 11 months from now to set a goal um you know if you want to give a gift to your significant other you know just do that they're probably going to be more surprised on a random wednesday or something than than a a set holiday um but that's just my opinion sounds like we're in the same boat but also try to do something nice to celebrate being together you know obviously enjoying your time together and, and whatnot but that's right. Yep. You celebrate your guys' marriage. We're we're not quite there. Next next Valentine's oh, Day oh. will be a married Valentine's Day, but
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just maybe
2: she'll do something for me. Right? Ah, there you go. I yes. guess uh, that is true. We typically think of Valentine's Day as more for um, you know, the, the ladies, but you are half of that relationship. Maybe uh maybe she'll make you dinner, who knows?
0: I honestly can't remember the last time I did some, I don't even. Last year was such a blur. Well, sure, before. yeah.
2: When COVID is caused, we've oh, gone through. Man, two. Yeah, I don't you think know, you know, this is anything. now the third. This is now the third Valentine's Day. You know, in a quasi COVID state of where we are.
0: Yeah. So I can't wait for her to listen to this and just hate me. So
2: it's gonna be fun. <laughs> well, you you definitely said that you're you know gonna cook her dinner, so I hopefully you do that for her tonight. <laughs> I can do that. I like cooking. It'll be more of an after the fact thing, right? Like all the things you're promising on here is make sure you deliver that in case she, you know what she listens to it. Well maybe she listens to it today ahead of Dinner time, so she'll know it's coming, or else she's gonna As be we're recording. Sure, yeah, or else she's going to be listening to it, uh, you know, whenever later on, and be right. like, "Hey, Adam promised me this, but I, I didn't get dinner made that night."
0: I think the best gif- gift I could give her would honestly be a babysitter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it, exactly. Maybe that's it. Maybe they, you know, do that and go out, or you know, I don't know your relationship. You you come up with whatever you're gonna do. Or not do. Yeah. So, but to all yeah. of our listeners, happy Valentine's Day. Hope that you aren't as, uh, as, as anti Valentine's like, like Adam and I, and that you're going to do something nice for your sweetheart. We're jaded. <laughs> I guess. Old curmudgeon. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Katie has called me a curmudgeon a time or two. So that is fitting.
0: <laughs> oh. All right. Episode 13. Um, We teased this topic um, in the last episode a little bit. Uh, Index versus active versus smart beta. Um, Getting into um, some different uh, management styles and funds. Uh, We're going to talk about the difference between the three pros and cons of each. And uh, Tanner likes to talk about these and simplify them always as he does with everything else. And Fun analogies and and break them down and relate them, um, for us non financial experts. Oofta. so can't oof-ta, wait to that's... hear. Is it does it tie <laughs> with
2: uh, the Valentine's theme? Well, now now I feel like I kind of have to with uh, coming up with fun analogies. So I'll I'll try to think of one of here on the <laughs> as we go through the podcast. Uh, but yeah, pressures on. Yeah, like Adam said, you know, I think I think a good uh, starting point would just be a recap, you know, of, of last podcast where we went over. You know, the differences between stocks and bonds. Um, And then, you know, what ties in more to this podcast, we went over uh, what mutual funds and ETFs are. Um, And so, if you haven't listened to that podcast, recommend hopping back, uh, listen to that one first so that you have a good baseline, you know, kind of what we're talking about. And then today, we're going to be diving deeper into mutual funds and ETFs. And um, when it comes to indexing or uh, the smart beta or active management this can be done in in either a mutual fund or an ETF so I'm not going to really differentiate between the two because you can find any of the three strategies inside um, all of them and as I said on last podcast I use ETFs so that will I'll tend to probably skew towards that side if i if I use one um, you know stating an ETF but just remember if you have mutual funds or if that's your thing is using, using mutual funds you can find uh you know any of the any of these three strategies in them as well uh how's that should we just kick it off start with indexing Let's dive in all right deep end so uh starting off with index funds uh what this is they've come into popular i shouldn't say They've come into popular. They've been very popular and continue to be very, very popular uh, strategy for uh, mutual funds and ETFs. And um, what it is is it's really there's no thinking, um, and it just follows an index. So um, easy one for everyone to kind of think about that we all know of and have heard of is the S and P 500. So if you have a <coughs> an ETF that is an index to the S&P 500. All it's going to do is just follow the S&P 500. It's going to have those 500 companies, it's going to have the weighting that the S&P has of each of those companies. And so it is literally going to move in step with the S&P 500. If S&P 500 is up 2%, this index fund is going to be up 2%. If it's down 2%, it's down. So it literally just tracks the index. And now there are many, many, many indexes out there. You know, there's international ones, there's the Dow, there's the NASDAQ, there's the Russell, you know, there's tons of indexes. So you can find any of these. Um, The benefit of these is they are extremely low cost. You know, typically you're going to find the cost to be under 0.1% per year. Um, And again, that's due to the fact that there really is no thinking. It's all run by computers. uh, And it just says, you know, if the S&P 500 takes, the, you know, one company out and adds in a different company, then that's what the index fund is going to do. And if, if uh, you know, Apple is in the S&P 500 right now, if the percentage of Apple is increased inside the S&P 500, then it's going to get increased and mirrored inside that index fund. So uh, because there's no thinking and, and no strategy or anything inside of that that obviously allows it to be a very, very low cost. Um, and, and again, these have become very uh, very popular and continue to be very popular over the last you know 20, 30 years. Uh, because of that fact, you know because they're low cost and because you know there are studies out there that say um, active management, which will be the next one we get to, uh, is, is very difficult to beat the S and P 500. Um, and then to do it consistently. So on any given year, an active managed fund, about 25% of them will beat the S and P 500. Now, when you extrapolate that out to multiple years, and now are they beating the S and P 500 year after year after year, or do they have a higher return, you know, in the three years and the five years, that number is significantly lower. Um, so again, it, it's tough to just beat the S and P five hundred, uh, you know, or whatever index that that we're tracking, and so a, a lot of people just go with the low cost carrier, so to speak. Um, Vanguard really is is the. I mean, you can find them anywhere. You can find them at BlackRock with you know iShares, and you can find them with State Street with the Spider ETFs. Um, but Vanguard tends to be kind of the movement uh the founder of of vanguard um you know bogle was uh kind of the pioneer one of the pioneers in indexing and so typically find a lot of that a lot of people gravitating towards vanguard to find those types of funds um now we'll kind of step into active and and as we go through i'll kind of jump back and forth with comparisons um you know when when it becomes appropriate uh so active management is obviously, as it sounds, you're actively trading, um, or and, and not you. The ETF or mutual fund team that you have bought into, the fund managers, they're actively trading, trying to beat whatever their benchmark is. So again, we're going to keep it with the S&P 500. If their benchmark is the S&P 500, they're trying to make trades and buy Companies sell companies inside of their own mutual fund to generate a higher return than the S&P 500. So they're not going to have all 500 companies in there. They may only have 50. They may have 100. You know, it depends on how they want to set up their own fund. Um, But they're actively trading that and trying to, you know, trying to outperform the S&P 500. So when we're comparing active, you know, to indexing sometimes indexing is also called passive investment uh like i said it's statistically it's really hard to beat beat your index uh for these these companies and you're gonna pay a higher internal expense because there's more going on they're making more trades which costs money they're making more uh doing a lot more analytics trying to figure it out you know they have a bunch of people on staff uh you know whatever they're utilizing technology and all that to try to pick stocks um, or, or bonds or investments or whatever it is trying to pick investments that are going to outperform and thus there's more work being done uh, than in an index strategy and and thus the the expense is a lot higher um, and so that's just something that you have to weigh now sometimes you can't avoid an active management account uh, depending upon what what you're looking for in your portfolio you know indexing is is really really great when you're trying to just mirror a big index and that's a portion of your portfolio that you want to have but you know if you want to try to have something pretty specific you know if you want to have a uh, yeah I don't know pick, pick your your theme that's really specific that's a sector fund now that may be, you know, there might be more validity in paying a little bit more to have more expertise in that area rather than just some random tiny little index that tracks, you know, let's say it's semiconductors or, you know, whatever. Um, An index that tracks semiconductors may not be, because there is no thinking, may not be as good as someone who is an expert in just that industry and can know which semiconductors are likely to outperform because they know the contracts that they have they know what they're working on they understand all of that and I feel like when you get down into those areas it's a little bit easier for the active management to outperform an index because it's sector specific like the S P p 500 it's huge it's 500 companies it's it's you know basically the universe of investments um, or, or the universe of equities. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult, like it's difficult to be an expert in every area. But if you're an expert in semiconductors, I feel like, you know, there's a higher probability that they're going to be able to outperform um, an index. Now, again, it's not guaranteed by any means, but that may be something where people want to kind of look towards the active management side or at least consider it again. Not everything, you know, like we said on the last podcast, sometimes you get what you pay for um, indexing has been great over the last 10 years. Uh, but ironically, people don't really talk about indexing in 2007 and 2009, because that actually would be terrible because you're just riding that roller coaster to the bottom. There's no thinking there's absolutely no thinking that went on in an index or that ever goes on in an index fund. And so, you know, between 2007, 2009, when the stock market went down 50%, If you're in an index fund, you're just riding that to the bottom because it's just going to follow the market down. Whereas an active fund, they get to make choices and make decisions. So maybe they raise cash. Maybe they got out of things. I don't know, but maybe they did worse. They could have done worse too. I'm not saying that all of them did better. It just, when things are going well, index funds are very, very, very hard to beat. When things are going poorly, active management tends to shine. It tends to do better. Um, now, again, if we all could have a crystal ball and know when those times of uh, you know, how long each, each length of prosperity is going to be versus each, each time you know, we're going to have negative markets, it'd be really easy to switch in and out of index and, and active management. Um, but I think that's why it's at least worth considering all of them um, you know, while creating a portfolio for yourself.
0: How often does the S&P 500 exchange their capital um, assignment of what's in that um portfolio is it yearly or um, how often do they bump the the companies
2: that are fluctuating of the 500 top 500 capital um the market i actually don't know that off the top of my head i want to say quarterly um let me how about you ask another question while i quick look that up <laughs> Let me
0: think of another question. Perfect.
2: Um, It's quarterly. Yep, there it is. Yeah, rebalance the index quarterly. So yeah, so each quarter, uh, you know, every fund that's inside of there can change percentages of how much weight it has. And also it can add and take out companies if other companies have gotten big enough to get in there.
0: So yeah, the the roller coaster isn't a year long, it's a quarter long, but even then you're only ex- you're exchanging the bottom.
2: Well, hold on, hold on. It is a quarter long until they rebalance, but the S&P 500 is not a thinking mechanism either. That is purely uh factual based. The requirements of companies to be in the S&P 500 is not based on are they going to keep going down if it's a bad situation. It is are right. they the 500 right companies that fit yeah. this criteria
0: well and i just want to make but sure if whatever is causing that down whatever market or f- hypothetical market crash there could be potentially a company that's thriving because of that situation right or i mean it's a hypothetical um, so. y-
2: yes
1: like yes. zoom
0: for if we were to do COVID, i don't know if that's that's factual, but there's companies like that that w- could potentially be capitalizing. Correct. That would somewhat adjust, but but they have you to get where I'm going. I, I
2: do, but I I I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that that. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to say it's this. it's not
0: as fast as an active management would be. No, to, no, 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 no. Is what I'm getting. At. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No, to, and, to adjust and, for. No,
2: hold on, because it's I I am trying to make sure that what you're saying is 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 accurate, but there is a very huge distinction here. Yes, let's take COVID. Yes, Zoom did very well in COVID, but that doesn't mean that it was already in the S and P 500. That doesn't mean that it even got into the S and P 500. So it doesn't matter if certain companies do well in a recession, if they're not already in the S&P 500, because I just want to make sure that, that just because the S&P 500 rebalances quarterly does not mean that it's going to rebalance quarterly and stop itself from a free fall. Like in 2007 and 2009, yeah, it was rebalancing quarterly, but those 500 companies pretty much stayed the same and they just rode that train down. What I'm saying Mm -hmm. with active management is they can sell and put money into cash, like cash doesn't right. go they down. Can hold cash. Correct. Yep. That's where active management, if they do that, can tend to shine because the S and P 500 doesn't. Those indexes don't. They're just gonna hold the securities based on the rules that they have set up, and then those securities are gonna do what they're gonna do. They're either gonna go up or they're gonna go down. So. I mean, maybe in the S&P 500 during 2007, 2009, there were a few, I mean, everything got clobbered then, but maybe there were a few that did less worse than others, but you got 400 and however many others that were just tanked. And so it went down, you know, roughly 50%. And so if you're in an index fund when that happens, you're just going to ride that to the bottom unless you yourself sell. I mean, you can always do that. You can always sell something. I'm just saying the you know, we're, we're big fans of, of buying and holding, you know, on this podcast. And so just knowing that that can happen in a downturn, active management funds will do, or I, I don't want to say will do, active management funds tend to have better performance compared to their benchmark historically than in when the markets are all going up, you know, so from 2010 to 2020, it was really, really hard for an active management to beat the S and P consistently, or whatever its benchmark is, consistently, because everything was going up, and so it's just so, hard to do.
0: So, what's the general strategy there for an act? Is that important for us to touch on? Is what is it to hold cat to sell, get out, hold cash, or rebalance and and focus on certain funds or ETFs that are. P- potentially performing well um why what are some of the strategies that that make it um a higher performing management strategy when a market is crashing
2: sure yeah because they well and like i was saying if the market's going down an index is just going to go down with whatever the stocks do whereas an active management they can sell and if they sell things because it's yeah, you know, and and then the markets continue to go down. Well, that cash doesn't go down with it, and so they may be down ten percent. And if but if the you know if its index is down thirty percent, well, they made you money. Like you know they saved you twenty percent because you didn't ride that roller coaster all the way down, type of thing. Now again, it's not a guarantee that they do this. They just have the ability to do that, where an index fund doesn't. An index fund just riding that. You're just on right. the roller coaster. It's going up and down all the hills, good or bad. Um. Where active management, it can get out, you know, buy cash or get con- you know, significantly more defensive or any of those things because they have the flexibility to, to think and change their investments inside of there for what's best based on the current situation and projected future situations. And so that, that's how they can potentially save you money um, in a down market in a consistently right. down market. Now volatile markets, it makes it really hard because now you got stuff moving all over the place. It's up, it's down, you know, like who, who knows. But a, a, in a big recession, you know, like what we had in 2007, 2009, we're going to have another one. It's a matter of time, you know, it's just when. Um, you know, then, that, then you'll see active management will, um, the number of active managed funds that outperform their benchmark will increase when the markets are going down. I like the roller coaster analogy. It's kind of like autopilot
0: yeah, or it is. adaptive cruise. Yep. Um, where it's kind of like you said it, forget it, kind of walk away. Whereas active management can <clears throat> respond with some human intelligence and reset. And I'm actually or- going to
2: change that. Index fund, if we're going to use cruise control, index funds is just cruise control there's no thinking it is just you set it at 65 and the is gonna drive 65 there's no thinking there could be a tree right in front i like of you.
0: that analogy just because you set it and forget it yeah. but it mine my, my mind went well then it's just constant the uh, same speed but that's where i was like oh, i kind of like the roller coaster right better, and that's but-
2: why the road yeah either way it's yeah. fine it's fine whereas Oops. and if we use the if we use the the car i mean this is fine we can use this analogy regular cruise control where you just set it and forget it is 65, you know, and it's just going to try to drive 65. Now, again, this isn't saying that the your portfolio is going to stay consistently at 65, it's just saying that there's no thinking. And if a tree comes up, you're just going to run into that tree. Or if a car cuts in front of you, you're just going to run into that car because it's set at 65. The car doesn't do anything. Whereas active management is no, is, uh, no cruise control. You're actively driving the car. Good, bad, or otherwise. Maybe you're a better driver. Maybe you don't keep it at 65. Maybe, you know, because it's hard with the foot feed, you end up down at 60 at some point. Maybe you're at 70 other years, you know, but you're you're the one in control. And the one I like the best, which we haven't really hit on yet, which we can now talk about, is Smart Beta. And that's the middle. That's the the marriage of these two. And that is your adaptive cruise control. You set the cruise control at what you want, but it's constantly looking and seeing what's in front of you. So if a car comes in front of you, it's going to slow you down or it's going to speed up or whatever. And it's adaptive cruise. And I, li- I like that analogy. So well played to walk us into that nice. one. Um, totally planned. Yeah, well done. <laughs> so um, smart beta, as I just alluded to, is really kind of the, the marriage and what I think is the, the best of both worlds. Again, doesn't mean that your investments can't lose money you can always lose money in investments i'm just saying i think that this is is the best strategy and what it is is it brings the two things together it brings the human element in but yet it brings in the technology and adds in rules uh algorithms you know and and it's very rules based and so you take the emotional side out of it from the humans which is usually where people mess up but yet it allows thinking and planning that is good logical things from humans so, for example, let's just take this year, 2022. We know that um, interest rates are going to go up. Well, what sectors do better when interest rates go up? Financials. Okay, well, S&P doesn't care. The S&P 500 is going to have whatever banks are already in there. It's not going to add more because financials are t- tend to do well in a rising interest rate environment. But people know that. Historically, we've seen as interest rates go up, banks make more money. So on an active management side, the active people may load up on too many banks or whatever, we don't know. But where smart beta is, is it will take human, it takes the human side work and say, all right, in 2022, we think financials are gonna do well. So we're gonna increase our exposure to that. And we're gonna decrease our exposure to high tech multiples because those don't tend to do as well or companies with high multiples that you know aren't profitable yet. Those tend to not do very well in rising interest rate environment. And so they can set the parameters on this, but then the computer takes over and it'll say, okay, well now based on these parameters, I'm going to go into the financials and only financials with this setup uh, with a price to earnings multiple of X. And again, this is all things set by the the humans, but with the, it has to have a price to earnings multiple of, you know, this or lower or it has to have a dividend of this or higher or you know whatever they can set whatever rules they want but then the computer goes out and grades all of those things so that you don't take in that human bias because we all have human biases towards things or against things and so i really really like that and then a benefit of that is the fee is also in the middle because you're getting a little bit of human interaction but yet still some computers and so you're kind of getting the again in my opinion the best of both worlds, where there is some human thinking, where you can try to take advantage of things that we, you know, historically have happened. Now, you're not going to be able to take advantage of everything. There's always things that come up in a market that no one can predict and that we don't know. But you can look forward and think about things. You know, again, like I said, financials. What else in 2022? Well, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase came out and said that the average checking account and savings account for for their clients is four times higher than what it's ever been in the last 20 years what does that tend to lead towards consumer discretionary people have money they've saved up money they're going to buy stuff we're just waiting for coronavirus to fully go away hopefully soon and we can go buy stuff so you know you can think about some of those things and and areas that have a potential to do better and you can try to overweight a little bit and then the computers take over and 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 do it and execute it um and so i really like you know that i and again but i'm not against any of them to be honest it it really depends on your individual portfolio and what you're trying to achieve if you're trying to just follow for a a section of your portfolio if you're just trying to follow what the s p 500 does go get an s p 500 index fund like there's no point in paying extra if you literally just want to do that But if you want to get into some really, um, you know, nitty gritty areas and and have some specific areas, like if you think that 5G is coming and 5G is going to take over, I mean, will eventually take over the world. But, you know, if you think that's going to be an area sector that you want to get into, well, maybe that's a place where you can have an active managed fund because those people are experts in just 5G and they're going to know those companies and what they are doing and and what deals they're making. More than an index is where it's just going to have those companies at blah, blah, blah percent. So maybe that's great for active management. And then kind of for the rest of it where it's like, ah, I don't know. Then that's where I like smart beta because it's, uh, like I said, it's a little bit of that best of both worlds where you're in the middle. Yeah, a little bit higher expenses, but you get what you pay for because you get in that human interaction. But also um, you know divesting the emotional side and getting the computers and, and the, the algorithms and, and their processing as well. So here's an analogy, since I have Mm. to come up with one, and it's Valentine's Day. How I view these would be, we're going to talk about this as like dating, right? So your active management is going to be that overbearing person that's just clingy and always with you all the time because they're doing too much. They're typically doing too much. too much going on. And now with your index funds, and that's that's the significant other that just lazy and doesn't do anything and not interested, right? They don't do enough. Smart betas, that's where you want to be, right in the middle, happy medium. That's Tanner. That's weak, but I tried. <laughs> yeah, you, that's
0: weak. No, that's uh,
2: good. You, you put me on the spot at the beginning, so I've been trying to think of something. So <laughs> it's the best I could come up with. Not as good as the Grinch analogy uh, from from our Christmas episode, but, uh, it'll have to do for today. I like it. So does that, I mean, does that all make sense to you, Adam? Do you have, I mean, do you have any questions? Cause if you have questions, obviously our, our, our listeners are going to have questions. Does that all make sense? Call me dumb. Not at all. I just want to make sure I'm explaining <laughs> it well.
0: No, that's good. I think, um, there are obviously like we covered, there's pros and cons to each, um, kind of, to each their own um i do like is smart beta pretty pretty new with artificial intelligence or newer yeah it just seems like uh um why can't i think of the uh the nursery rhyme of the baby bear oh the three porridge bears? yeah
2: three bears with the porridge it, yeah well that's kind of so, where i went with or where my mind went well, was that story with the my analogy and trying to turn it into valentine's day but you know but smart bait is just right right in the middle just right but uh yeah i mean it's you know active management's been around the longest (sighs) that's been around since you know mutual funds and etfs have been in existence uh goldilocks that's oh yeah goldilocks and three bears yeah goldilocks um index funds again those have been around a a long time i i would say they started coming into prominence you know probably in the 80s roughly but they they've been around a long time and, and very very um well-supported people really like them um and then i would say the smart beta kind of this hybrid you know the last 10 years it definitely artificial intelligence helps the you know putting in algorithms um you know because again like as studies come out the the studies are there emotion is typically what tends to lead to bad decisions in investing whether that's emotion of of you as an investor whether it's emotion of your advisor whether it's emotion of uh the the people running the the ETF or the mutual fund um because our emotions are where our biases lie and you know we all have those and so if we can take those out that helps but at the same time you know I'm not completely sold on everything being in an index again I think it has its place you know cuz it is low cost but I do think there's value to thinking? I mean, I uh, I don't think that that anyone would say no. I'd rather just not have thinking going on in in my financial plan. Like, no, you, you need to th- you know you, you need to think. There are times where it's it's good to try to take advantage of of situations, and other times where it didn't matter, and the, the index is going to do better. And so, you know, like when I set up my clients' portfolios, I tend to set them up obviously as is, is how I I, I presented. <laughs> you know, any position where we're just trying to get a market return, we're putting it in indexes because why would we pay more to just get a market return? Any of our stuff where we're getting very specific in the sectors, we look towards active management. And for the rest of it, that's kind of in the middle when you need, you know, um, things that aren't specifically index linked, but yet aren't so, they're more like themes. You know, if you want to, A large growth or you know something in technology okay well let's find a you know tech's a really big category um so let but yet it's not everything so let's find a a smart beta you know in in that realm you know something like that um but that's how I set up my clients portfolios obviously you as a listener you need to work you know either with yourself or your advisor on what's best and the best setup for for your portfolios and, and
0: uh, do, do each clients care about whether you are more active or, or what's kind of in their portfolio or what your viewpoint is on some of those things? Or is that not really, um, around?
2: I'd say most don't, uh, typically you're never going to have someone beaten on the table to have active management, um, Uh, Yeah, I would say if I hear anything, you know, either from current clients or people I, you know, prospective clients or uh, just people out in the industry, it's usually if there is a strong desire towards one, it's a strong desire towards indexing. And I, I understand, like I said, I understand having low cost and it being very hard to beat the markets. I'm not disputing any of those facts. Those are facts. Which is why I use index funds in my portfolios, you know, for clients. I just I don't think that having a portfolio with just the S and P 500 is the end all be all, though. With just having that, you know, there are other areas that I think are important to have in a portfolio. And so when we get into some of those other areas, that's where okay, now the facts have changed. It's very difficult to beat the S and P 500. By trying to pick 500 companies just to do that, but if you're not tracking the S&P 500 and instead you're, you know, it, it, it all depends on our comparisons, right? If you have a tech, an active tech fund, they probably did beat the S&P 500 regularly, but that's not their benchmark. Their benchmark is going to be the Nasdaq because the Nasdaq is, you know, or or some something else um, that's even more specific into their area of tech, and so you know i guess my my big thing is is when we look at these benchmarks like people need to remember that that's all it is it's a benchmark and even in an index fund you will never keep up with the index because if the S&P 500 is up 20% you in your index fund are only going to be up 19.95 or whatever because there is a little bit of expense so you know an index fund doesn't keep up either um and 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 I know this is a little bit off off topic but I think it's something that's so important for people to just kind of remember is that the other big thing is returns don't I don't want to say they don't matter. They obviously matter. They very much matter. But a lot of times you know, I hear people, my clients don't do this. We've talked about enough. And so I, like I've mentioned before, I have, I have fantastic clients and and so I don't have to deal with this, but I've listened to other advisors when they talk about their clients saying, you know, it's just, it's impossible to please because they turn on CNBC or whatever source and see that the S&P 500 is up 20%. You know, let's take last year for an example, 2021. The SP 500 is up like 25%, roughly, somewhere around there 20, 25%. Well, if you're 70 years old and you have a portfolio that's based around some equities and some income, that should not, that's not your benchmark because the SP 500 is 100% aggressive in stocks. Um, I have this software called Riskalyze that a- uh, analyzes clients' risk tolerance and puts it as a speed limit, and then it will riskalyze all securities in the universe so that I can match up and make sure that my portfolios are on track with the speed limit, the risk that my clients want to drive. And the S&P 500 fluctuates, you know, anywhere in the 70s as a speed limit out of 100. Well, if you're 70 years old or 60 years old, maybe you don't want to be driving 70. So you know, we we have to just always remember, like, just because the S and P is the most prominent one out there, that might not be the benchmark for your individual portfolio. Like, you have to remember, you, I mean, unless you have 100% of it in the S and P 500, then sure. Um, so again, I know that's a little bit off topic, but it I think it's important to just go over that that you have to have a a good, reasonable benchmark based on what you're actually invested in, you know. If you're invested in a bunch of gold, it's not going to track the S&P 500. It's going to track the gold, you know. Um so anyways, does that answer your question in a very roundabout way? Yep. <laughs> good. I don't even remember my question. Oh no, that's bad. I ran, that means I rambled on too long. I apologize to our listeners. <laughs>
0: Anything else you want to add no, before we wrap up? No.
2: No, that's good. That's good. Uh just want to, you know, obviously thank all of our listeners, uh, for spending some time with us. Hopefully, um, if you listen to this today, you know, today that it's going out, hopefully you have a great Valentine's day. If you're listening to it afterwards, hope you had a great Valentine's day. Uh, and you know, as always, if you have any questions, thoughts, um, topics that you want to hear about from us, you know, let us know better analogies, better analogies that we could have come up with. Yeah. Uh, let us know, uh, choose an email. Our email is podcast at financially podcast at financially Uh, leave us a review like, uh, and subscribe so that you never miss any of our upcoming, uh, podcasts. And, uh, once again, we appreciate you all. Thank you. And we'll see you in the next episode.
1: This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.